And as we took a look at Mark chapter 12, it is also known as the greatest commandment. And we began the year in the Great Commission. Now we make our way through the summer through the concepts of the greatest commandment. And the greatest commandment, of course, is to love God and to love others, said briefly. But to to read the passage again, to keep it top of mind, Jesus, having been in intense disputation with folks that are trying to trap him verbally, now is asked one more question. Of all the commandments, which is the most important? And as that man asks that, why do you think it is that he's asking that? What might be behind his question? It's not a rhetorical question. It's me actually throwing it out there for discussion. Yes, bring it on. Whatever answer he picks is not good enough because you can pick another one. Oh, that one's the greatest? No, this one's the greatest. Oh, gotcha. So they're, they're trying to like kind of trap him. or Sure, okay, very cool. Yep, thanks, yeah. It's not uncommon. It wasn't uncommon throughout the whole passage was like he was being trapped throughout through his ministry because it's just like... Jesus was like, would trap him, like, okay, who's the son of David, you know? For example, like, okay, you know, who is the son of God? Who is sure, which, which, which comes in a little bit here, but... You know, um, he goes like, like, who it is, and they didn't know, like, okay. He's like, oh, you don't know? I won't tell you, you know? And so, uh, in a, a bit of a hostile environment, he is, is receiving this, but remember that this one's not completely hostile, because they noticed that he had given answers that appealed to their way of thinking. And so I think this is a genuinely humble question on this fellow's part. So if it is a genuinely humble question, given that mindset, why why do you think they might be asking, which is the greatest commandment? Yeah, John. You know, we're all burned down with rules. Sure. I think that might be a big part of this right now. Is that we got 613 laws. Uh, maybe if this guy's got some pretty cool insight into the greatest, I could maybe just focus on that and end up in a, in a much better place than trying to burn myself out with all 613. Uh, we don't necessarily know, but I think it is somewhere in that uh, neighborhood of, of what's going on here. So Jesus now answers. The most important one, answer Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, Deuteronomy 6, right? The Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Boom. He lays it out. And then he kind of thinks, and while I'm on a roll, let me show you that this other one is so connected to it that uh, I'll I'll go ahead and jump over to Leviticus 19.18 here as well and say, and the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one. There's no other but Him. To love Him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength. You love your neighbor as yourself. More important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. He kind of throws that in at this point in time. Because they are at the temple. And 
And they are at a place where this is how you kind of make yourself righteous is through burnt offerings and sacrifices by which you could be declared righteous for a moment to be able to partake of the full community of the temple area in Israel. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. And we spent some time last week about what a provocative thing is said at the end here. Why after that, after he says, you know what? You're just about there. You're, you're almost in tune with the whole mind-blowing concept of the kingdom of God. After all that encouragement, would then everybody kind of back off and be like, that's a bad man right there. And in the best sense of saying that's a bad man. We better just shut our mouths and give him some space because that is sacredness walking in our midst, right? It, it is that idea that they were, in a sense, petrified after what they just experienced here. For, for most of us, we would think, what's the big deal? He just said to love. Who can't pull that off? It's a lot easier than trying to pull off the 613 laws. Why would anybody be trembling at this point in time rather than kicking up their heels at, at being able to have heard this? And, and the reason being is, is that what Jesus has just done is he has completely redefined the content of the entire law. And, and why is that? Because by, by saying that the most important thing that you can do the thing that all the law hangs on, all of that is to love. Love God and love your neighbor. Well, that means then that there is something positive about what Jesus said. Not just something about not doing, right? It's not a prohibition. This is an exhortation. A, a prohibition in the law, let's say the, the Ten Commandments, well, you know, there's a lot of the Ten Commandments that are do not, do not, do not, right? Uh, do not steal. Well, if you're to obey that commandment in the very way that Jesus just said, it's not enough to just not steal from Bryce. It means that you are to love Bryce with everything that you have that is material. And that you are to be generous and open-handed to Bryce, that you're to look to Bryce's physical needs. And if there's anything there that he needs, that you out of a selfless service to Bryce with anything that you have that is material, you are quick to be able to bring that to bear as you love him. This is suddenly not making the law lighter and easier. He has suddenly added an immense amount of weight to the law. Or let's say, do not commit adultery. You might think, I'm a pretty good husband. I'm going on, you know, 20 years now. And you know what? I have successfully not committed adultery. And, and you all would give me a golf clap and say, what in the world are you bragging about? Right? Because we understand that to obey that commandment, as Jesus is now telling us to, is to obey it in the exhortation, not just the prohibition. The exhortation is to love. All the commandments are summed up in this idea to love. And so if not committing adultery is summed up in love, loving God, right? Expressing my love to God, expressing my love to, to everyone else in a, in a way that really does serve them, 
then it doesn't just mean that I'm not out, you know, kind of scouring the land for the next hookup to, to cheat on my wife. That's not enough, right? And of course, that doesn't happen. This means that positively, now I love my wife. I love my wife the way that Jesus loves the church. I lay down my life for my wife. I have not only a, a, a faithfulness to her, but, but also a real adoration of her, a depth of love for her that makes the, the idea of intimacy, which, which adultery would break, intimacy greater and greater and greater. So suddenly, do not commit adultery is, is not just make sure you got no side hustles. It is suddenly, you are now all in with loving your, your wife. Amen. Uh, and to uh, do not lie or, or, or do not uh, be a false witness. It's, it's not enough now as you interact with people to just not lie about them or lie to get your way. Instead, and, and why do you lie? We talked about that last time. You, you lie to, to gain some sort of an advantage. Or you lie uh, because you're fearful and you, you don't want to look bad. Or you lie because you're proud and you want to look better in, 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 that, in that case. Uh, but now, none of that matters. Now, all that matters is that you love integrity and you love the depth of trust in a relationship. That would then come about that you make sure that there is never a breach of trust between you and Adam. And, and as you and Adam now have a relationship, of course, there's no lying. There's no bearing false witness against my brother. But but now there is a depth of vulnerability and of light and disclosure where he now understands anything that I would have considered something that I wanted to cover up. Now, instead, that's shared with my brother. If, if we're going to understand what God is meaning here, Jesus means here with really love the Lord your God with all of this and then love your neighbor as yourself. Well, then as, as we look at all of the laws that define what it means to love God, we look at them all with this light of now what they saw that caused them to fear of realizing, oh my goodness, he just took a nitro cylinder and hooked it up to the law and, and suddenly, this law is able to do the, 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 you know, the, the 40 in three seconds flat or whatever, the quarter mile in, in three seconds flat. Like this, this is crazy what it is that Jesus is now bringing to bear as he expects us to begin to now live in alignment with God. And it is a frightening prospect because they would have recognized none of us can stand up to this. What he just said is so scary. Because we know in our heart of hearts that when we obey the law, we do it to try to put God in our debt and hope that God will then love us. We do it out of fear that we may not be in alignment with God. And, and so we do it not out of love, but out of fear. Or as I mentioned last week, or maybe we do it out of pride to be able to look like the people who, who keep the law. But I want to talk, I don't want to rehash all of that from last week, but I, but I do want to recognize that if this is the greatest commandment, then what is the greatest sin? And I would put it before us that Jesus would tell us that the greatest sin is to not love God with all that we have. The greatest sin is to not love your neighbor as yourself. 
And what's the opposite of love? It's not. Indifference. Apathy. The opposite of love is meh. Whatever. Hatred. And to have, no, it's not. The, the, the opposite of love is indifference. The opposite of love is, is just a, a flat affect with regard to this, this God or this person that is, is now in your path. And to have a mere indifference to God, whom we're to, called to love with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, to cultivate the depth of that relationship, the, the opposite of that, the great sin in, in the eyes of Christ here would be that, that you begin your day with an indifference yeah. towards the God that made you, towards the God that arranged time and space so that you could be reborn, toward the God that has so carefully crafted all in your life so that you can participate in the age to come, towards the God that gave his son so that you can have a guarantee of everlasting delight in the new heaven and the new earth. To, to wake up and have an indifference towards that God, I would, I would put before you, is the greatest sin. And the other that is like it is to have an indifference towards others. And it, just have a whatever attitude towards your brothers, towards your children, towards your wife, towards your Bible talk, towards your coworkers, towards the seekers that God has put in your path, uh, toward, towards anyone that, that God has, has put there. To, to actually recognize that, oh my goodness, God has put this person in my path and I have an opportunity to engage in fruitful conversation for Christ ought to be one that really stirs a fire within our soul, realizing, wow, God has just now considered me so immensely faithful to His great purposes. Wow! And to have a zeal that boils within us that really does produce itself in love. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Interesting, when we were studying out Sodom and Gomorrah, when we went to Isaiah and we studied out what Isaiah said about um, Sodom and Gomorrah, he said, and because of their great sin, and if you remember what their great sin was in the prophets, it wasn't about homosexuality or sodomizing or any of that. Does anybody remember what their great sin was in Isaiah or Ezekiel? Unconcerned. Exactly. They were, they, they were about themselves. They loved themselves rather than others. The poor among them, the marginalized among them, they had indifference towards. And as great as we might think of the disgusting uh, depiction of their sin in, in Genesis... It was nothing, according to the prophets, according to the word of the Lord, compared to their indifference among those in need among them. God is that serious about loving and that indignant about indifference in our lives. And this is scary because we're guys. And guys are, are much more likely to kind of fall into the whatever category of things hit cruise control put our brain into some sort of stasis um like walt disney or something right, right now and you know wake me up you know 50 years later when when there's something interesting for me to, to know about uh i mean that, that's the easy place where where we could go 
But, but, but instead, what, what Jesus is trying to help us to see that indifference is, is the one thing that we should not even come close to dabbling in. Because it's got to be all about a fervent love. A fervent love for our God in our devotion to Him. A fervent love for one another in the well-being of the brothers. Are we encouraging? Are we building up? Are we seeing others raised up? Are we making their lives a joy? Is all of that going on? Is love being expressed in that way? And then, of course, to be able to connect. Connect to the community that, that has physical needs. Connect to the community that has deep, deep spiritual needs. And to not just have an indifference about that at all. There's no room for that if we're aligning ourselves with the greatest command. To love God with all we've got. And to love our neighbor as ourself. It's a super high call. It's an overwhelming idea. It would have caused them to really recoil, as I've already mentioned, from what Jesus just laid down here. But for us, we've got to recognize that God is not going to lay this down before us without helping us to get to this very place. And, and that's what we'll be studying next week. Uh, what we'll be looking at is, so how do we go from our kind of fleshly attempts at trying to obey, our fleshly attempts at trying to love? How do we make sure that our love is defined by the law? And that our law keeping is fueled by our love? How do we make sure all of that happens? Well, which of the two commands comes first? Love God. Right? And, and it, it, it comes first... Because there's something that comes before that. What comes before us being able to love God? Exactly. Because of His great love with which He loved us, He made us alive. Uh, we love because He first loved us. Uh, and that, that's where we head in the next couple of weeks, is to really look at how big is the love of God for us. We'll spend the first part of the summer really studying that out so that we get literally overwhelmed by the biblical descriptions of a God who is so passionately, intimately involved in everything about you. His thoughts for you outnumber the sands of the seashore. His concern for you runs deeper than we could ever begin to imagine. There, there is before us all a God, a God that has intervened in our lives, a God that wants us to know the depth of his selfless service, the depth of his love for us as seen in Jesus Christ so that we can have the proper reciprocal of response, which is, of course, to then love, love him with a selfless service, love him with obedience. Love him with the faith that does result in nothing less than love. And so that's where we head from this. But, but, but tonight, um, I'd like you to discuss how it is that you can fall into indifference. Indifference before God and indifference before one another. I, I get that this is a, a negative conversation. And I do mean for it to be, actually, because it'll bring you to a place where you'll be crushed like they were. And really recognizing that if it's not for something beyond you, there's no way that we're ever going to be able to rise up to the very will that God has for our lives, which is to actually love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, 
and to really love our neighbor as ourself. Uh, and we'll look at the beautiful mechanism of God's love that launches us to that very place. But before we do, let, let's go ahead and spend a minute to be able to talk about the opposite of love with regard to this great commandment and, and how it is that we could be indifferent rather than passionately loving. So again, break, break to the groups.